It's my pleasure to fill in tonight. Thankful that I was asked. Hope to be a blessing. Our scripture lesson is found in the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans 8. And we'll begin at verse 31 and go through to the end of the chapter there. Romans 8, 31. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. May God bless that reading of this holy word. So this will be our text for the message, and as we look at the end of Romans 8, we see some of the most comforting verses in the entire Bible. Here we see Paul, inspired by God, to tell all believers just how secure they are in Christ. Paul teaches us of this security by asking questions which he proceeds to answer himself. As we read these questions, we get a sense that Paul is challenging anyone and anything to deny the truth of what he is saying. Paul knows the truth of it cannot be denied, and he proves it with his answers. There are three sets of questions and three answers. Now we'll go right to the first set of questions and then Paul's answers. In verse 31a we read, What then shall we say to these things? This refers to all that Paul has taught in the earlier chapters of Romans about our great salvation and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure you've heard it uh, before, whenever uh, there is that idea, say, what shall we say to these things? 
then uh, we have to stop and think, what things? Look, again, all that's come before. It also has immediate reference to the beginning of chapter 8. That is, how the Almighty, Sovereign Creator of all things, foreknew us, predestined us, called us, justified us, and glorified us through Jesus Christ. Paul says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Then Paul repeats how God proved that he is for us. In verse 32, he gives the answer. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Since God was willing to save all believers from their sin through the suffering and death of his only begotten Son, since God was willing to take care of our greatest need, surely he will take care of all our lesser needs. He will freely give us all things that we need. Actually, <coughs> God even does more than this if we have the spiritual eyes to see it, and if we don't look at things through worldly eyes. Paul says in Ephesians 3.20 that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Yes, if God loved us so much that he gave us Jesus, surely he will give all else that we truly need. And of course, we find that actually he gives us even more. Our cup runneth over. Now as we come to verses 33 and 34, we come to a set of questions. The question in verse 33a asks, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Then the answer is brief and to the point also in verse 33b where we read, It is God who justifies. Then as we come to verse 34a, we have the same basic question asked with the words, Who is he who condemns? The picture we have here in verses 33 and 34 of someone charging or condemning one of God's elect is similar to what we read in Zechariah 3, beginning at verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put the clothes on him, 
And the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, and if you will keep my command, then you shall also judge my house, and likewise have charge of my courts. I will give you places to walk among those who stand here. When Satan or anyone else would seek to accuse or condemn us in God's presence, we can only say, it is God who justifies. And also, what we can, we can say what we read in Romans 8.34b, it is Christ who died, rather, is also risen again who is even at the right hand of God and who also makes intercession for us. How has God justified us? God accepts the suffering and death of Jesus Christ as full satisfaction for the sins of all those who by His grace will repent and trust in Him alone for salvation. All believers deserve God's just wrath. But Jesus delivers all believers from that wrath. God has also clothed us in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But he not only died, he also rose again from the dead because he himself was perfect in righteousness. And the grave could not hold him. Once God's righteous wrath was satisfied, Jesus rose up from the dead, and then he ascended to the very throne of heaven, where he now intercedes for us. When Satan would seek to oppose us, or to bring charges against us, or condemn us to suffer God's just wrath, Jesus is there to intercede for all believers. No, he says, that one is forgiven. I suffered and died for that one. That one's sins have been washed away by my blood. That one is clothed in my righteousness. Yes, we who trust in Jesus Christ are free from all charges. And we are free from all condemnation. God has ordained it through his Son. And as Jesus said, it is finished. We are fully justified by God in Jesus Christ. And this brings us to the final set of questions. In verse 35, we see Paul ask, what shall, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword... Paul's main emphasis in the previous questions and answers was to show that our salvation in Christ is sealed in heaven. Now in these last questions and answers, his main emphasis is to show that our salvation in Christ is also sealed on this earth. Now we may suffer great troubles and distress we may be persecuted by being jailed or tortured for Christ. We may be persecuted by more subtle 
psychological means. We may suffer starvation or be left naked. We may be placed in great danger or be threatened with the sword of execution. Then in verse 36, Paul goes on to quote Psalm 44, 22 and apply it to Christians. There we read, As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are recounted as sheep for the slaughter. Now Paul wasn't just talking here. He knew from personal experience all of the sufferings of which he speaks. He was once even left for dead after being stoned. We could see this in 2 Corinthians 11. I'll begin at verse 21. And it's amazing what he suffered for the Lord's sake. And the, uh, I want to just the beginning part of this statement. He's talking and he feels bad that he has to, in a sense, brag about what God has done in his life and how God used him. And so this is the, the thrust of the, of the beginning part of this. He says, To our shame, I say that we were too weak for that, but in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. He said he speaks foolishly. I hate to speak this way, but the there were Judaizers, and there were heretics who were claiming to be more important than the apostles, and the apostle Paul particularly here. And so he has to put them in their place. He has to be truthful with the Christians there and say, don't listen to these people. So that's what he's saying. Any, whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly. I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. In deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day have I been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. In weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, was guarding the city of the Damascenes with the garrison, desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall, 
and escape from his hands. Yes, Paul had experienced all these sufferings of which he just spoke. He, he wasn't just saying words. It had happened to him. Yet what does he say in answer to his own question about the possibility of these sufferings separating us from the love of Christ? In verse 37 he says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Because God even uses the sufferings to draw us closer to himself. The sufferings we go through are like the fire that burns out the impurities of gold so that it becomes pure. So we are more than conquerors in that when our enemy would do his worst to us, he is actually helping us to be cleansed from sin. And he is causing us to draw closer to God for power to overcome. Chrysostom, an early church leader, said this. He said, this is a new order of victory to conquer by means of our adversaries. Peter spoke of this in 1 Peter 1 and in verses 3 through 7. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, our enemy has no chance of defeating us. Even when he has done his worst to us, we only come out purer and more filled with the power of God. As Paul thinks on these glorious truths, he says this in verses 38 and 39, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature or created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, there's no need to go into details about what he just said. The point is, no thing and no one can separate us from the love of God, which is in 
Christ Jesus. Once our sins are washed away in his blood, once we are clothed in his perfect righteousness, and we know that it's all of God's grace and love and mercy in Jesus Christ, once it's done, as Jesus said, it is finished. It is accomplished. And this is no new teaching. Paul only echoes and expands on the words of Jesus from John 10, beginning at verse 27. There Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise Him for His sovereign grace. So tonight we have fed on more of the meat of God's Word. Just think. Let Satan and this present evil world do their worst to us. In all these sufferings, we are victorious. Our enemy is frustrated on all sides. Grab on to this truth, brothers and sisters, and apply it to your own life. And you will know, as Paul knew, that you are more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. If you're an unbeliever today, God is reaching out to you. You've known about Jesus. You know in your brain all about how he suffered and died for sinners who repent and trust in him as Savior and Lord. You know all about him. The question is, do you know him as your Savior and Lord? Have you seen yourself as the sinner for whom he lived and died and rose again. Make sure it's not just a head knowledge. Repent of your sins. Trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and you will be saved. May God have mercy on you and give you the grace to believe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for how wonderful you are, how gracious and merciful and loving that you've saved us, that you've reached down from heaven, reached into our very souls and made us alive, born again into your kingdom. Help us, Lord, to grasp onto the truths revealed in your words just, just tonight, that even when our enemy does his worst to us, we are more than conquerors in you. Make us ever more faithful, Lord, as we think on these things. And we do pray that you come soon, Lord Jesus, and pray in your precious name. Amen.